0: Hi there this is frankie and this is jana and we're the owners of zenly yoga studio zenly is a neurodivergent owned and operated studio in saint peter's on gadigal land we made a space where neurodivergent bipoc queer fat disabled and just nervous people can come and experience movement we have quiet corners low lighting accessibility aids and trauma-informed staff have a first free class on us go to zenly.com.au sign up and use the offer code n-y-n-t see you soon Bye. Bye. Welcome to Not Your Neurotypical Podcast, the podcast dedicated to exploring the real experiences, insights, challenges, and perspectives of neurodivergent individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Raylene Sebastian, and I was diagnosed with ADHD later in life. In each episode, we'll be delving into the fascinating world of neurodivergence, a concept that celebrates the incredible diversity of human minds, we'll unravel misconceptions share personal stories, and offer practical insights to create a more inclusive and accepting world for everyone. Whether you're neurodivergent, neurotypical, or somewhere in between, this podcast is your bridge to building empathy, breaking down barriers, and fostering a community where differences are not just acknowledged, but celebrated. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and stay tuned for our upcoming episodes. Before we jump in a note on our content this is created for adult audiences only we advise listener and reader discretion for depictions and discussions of mental illness existential struggle and some downright filthy language it can be a lot to take in so if you need a breather take a break or come back later remember help is available at lifeline by calling 13 11 14. in this episode i interview patricia Patricia is the founder and director of Social Living Solutions and creator of the Family Joy Program. Neurodivergent herself, Patricia's vision is for a world where people who identify as neurodivergent are accepted, integrated, and recognized as valued members of society. She aspires to remove the misconceptions and prejudices around neurodiversity and replace ignorance with understanding. Among her many, many achievements, Patricia is an active volunteer in the community and internationally through the Global Goodwill Ambassadors Network and as a Neurodiversity Consultant to the 2023 Gay Games in Hong Kong. She has been a finalist in both the ACT Chief Minister's Inclusion Awards for people with disability. She has recently spoken at the International Conference Autism Network 2023 in Dubai and was a keynote speaker at the AusBorder 2023 conference in Sydney, Australia. Patricia is such an inspiration to me and her work is valuable to our community just as well as she was recognized for her work and received the Medal of Order of Australia. In my conversation with Patricia, we discussed masking, our shared experiences with having an Asian background and disabling environments. I was fortunate enough to meet Patricia personally and she shared some great advice with me. I cannot thank her enough for her contribution to the podcast and the industry and I hope you gain insight and learn something already stuffed up <laughs> welcome to episode seven of, of not your neurotypical podcast i am here with patricia would you like to say hi
1: hello
0: <laughs> hi patricia it's a uh, i'm very um honored to have you on the, on the podcast it's um uh for anyone listening it's um i don't know i feel very privileged to be able to talk to you and and um share your journey and your story and and all that the wonderful things that you are but first and foremost can you tell us about yourself
1: yeah sure so um I live in Canberra Australia I'm uh 53 years of age and um I um have my own business where I work with families and children um who have get a neurodivergent diagnosis so by neurodivergent um either diagnosis of ADHD and autism and um I don't know how where your audience will be, but with ADHD and autism, there are always other um, conditions that come along with that diagnosis, So, either other neurodivergent conditions or um, co-occurring conditions such as anxiety or depression. So Mm -hmm. I work with uh, families and children, uh, as I said, supporting them, with like, really it's with what they're struggling with in their life. So it's when parents come to me and say, my child is struggling with this, this is what we need help with. With families, it's about uh, living with neurodiversity and understanding it and having all family members have an understanding because sometimes you'll have siblings that are diagnosed, and um, not Mm. diagnosed, siblings, sorry, that are neurodivergent and siblings Mm -hmm. that aren't. So, you know, and even when siblings are neurodivergent, it affects everybody so differently it still is about getting an an understanding of each other so Mm -hmm. um so when i'm working with families i'm looking at very much that holistic approach and um also to particularly with parents um having them really have an understanding of uh, their child their child's struggles and how they can best support them and um Probably the best thing to share with the audience is, where in my business, I come at it from a strength-based approach, right? So even with parents, that's what I really, really try to work with is a language that they're using with their children. Um, mm-hmm. You know, or, you know, as you would know too, because I know you only got diagnosed recently as well, Ray, mm-hmm. um, as an adult, and probably not just similar to me. The criticisms and that you would have had growing up, either from your parents or even from teachers, and um, that you know before before you actually realise that you had ADHD. So that's what I'm very very that's what I really is I really want to focus on the strengths and that's because when you get a diagnosis, the whole diagnostic process is deficits based. Right, they're looking at what we can't do, what we struggle with. That's how they mm. identify that we're neurodivergent. So that's why I come at it from a strength based approach. But so that's that's one part of my business and that that part of my business is called Social Living Solutions. And in that business where I run that type of support, I also have um, a support worker who works with my clients as well. And um, I also have myself, I've got an assistant who, she just generally runs all the admin and everything of the business. But I also have, um, and this is very recent, I've also, um I guess in my own almost like a separation from social living solutions, I've started speaking, advocating for neurodivergent people, and also started working with adults in workplaces. So it's and what that is around is um, running training programs for managers and employers to better support their neurodivergent employees in the workplace so that they so people feel well supported, um, that there is an understanding of. Um, how neurodiversity might present in the workplace and what managers, team leaders, but also their team can do to to help support that person but so that they get the most out of that person so that person can thrive in the workplace.
0: Amazing. I, I mean, even from that snapshot and from what you've already told me and what I've already seen, it's so inspirational what you're doing. Um, and, I mean, you know, with all the work that you're doing, it's like – you know, you'd hope that that we're already in that kind of inclusive at like environment, but we're not even there yet. So, for you to even pave that way, it's it's a big and very it's a wonderful thing that you're doing. It's a positive impact, and um, I just wanted to say it's interesting that you said that. I haven't actually learned that. that uh, the, you know, that it's a great thing that you're doing the strength based approach. I yeah didn't even think about the whole that they look at the the de- deficit. Sorry, that, that makes sense. That makes so mm-hmm. much sense, um, and I never even thought about it unless you really pinpoint. Like I mean, it's like with anything yeah. unless you really you know point it out. But that's um, yeah, it's very interesting to hear that. Um, no, I. Yeah, I also want to say, yeah, you're, you know, you, you host your own podcast among amongst all the amazing other things you do. How do you keep, like, you know, how are you able to stay on top of these? Has that been difficult for you?
1: Yeah, it is. It is hard, but like as I mentioned to you, so one, and this is, you know, I think um, part of why I can do it, and this is the strength, is, is because I have ADHD, right? And I think that yeah. that's why I'm able to uh maintain that level of energy but plus I'm also very passionate about it too but Mm. um and you know I've done things like I was saying in like in my business like as I mentioned before I've got I've now got an assistant that helps me so you know she does all my administration and everything and I've got a support worker and even the podcast that I do I do that with another lady so we we do it together so that you know I've got someone um and she actually is the one that she's the one that edits the podcast and puts them out. And, you know, because, again, that thing of ma- managing um, energy levels because, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard, but, you know, I know later on we're going to talk, uh, There's you know, and I know that we're going to talk about things that I put in place to help, like, manage. Um, mm. And so it's probably, th- yeah, through all those things that, uh, you know, like the, the strategies that I have put in place to manage the um you know the fatigue and things like that that I do get from having ADHD that help me to be able to uh, do all the things that I can do.
0: Yeah, no, that's right. And I think some, that's something I want to put out there because you know you're allowed to have these accommodations. And I speak about this a lot with a, a few interviews. Like you shouldn't feel ashamed to be able to ask for help and have these accommodations. Mm-hmm to help you like you know there's only so much a person can handle you're all human like mm. you know and you don't want to be constantly burnt out you know being ADHD you, you feel that way mm. a lot um you know that there's so much on your plate and you don't know you feel that you know you have to be responsible all the time and sometimes it's okay to do the body doubling it's okay to do all that and so yeah i find that interesting that you know because we're in this society they, they doesn't really support us in that way it kind of you, you have to advocate for that and and that's a big yeah. it's a big step forward um but no yeah, tell me how can you walk me through your ADHD diagnosis or your neurodivergent diagnosis?
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely so as I shared with you um i'm fifty three and I was diagnosed three years ago, so I was diagnosed at the age of fifty yeah. and um really the way that I, the i the reason why I got diagnosed is When my younger son uh, was going through his diagnosis, like basically his being diagnosed, and the um, you know the therapist that was that was going through asking the questions, doing the questionnaires, he was he ran you know didn't look to see if my son had ADHD as well, Mm -hmm. and and when he was going. Like when he was going through the questionnaire and everything, I was, I was sitting there kind of going, yeah, I do that, I do that. It was like tick, tick, <laughs> tick. But, so then at the end of it, I actually said to the therapist, and I know this therapist too professionally, and I actually said to the therapist, I said to him, look, I, I said to him, I highly suspect I have ADHD. I've never, ever yeah. sought a diagnosis, but I think I would like to go through and, and see if I do, see if I do meet the criteria. So, yeah, so that's what started me on it. And, um, yeah, and then so then he gave me, um, he actually said to me, I'll go online and do this. Like he gave me, a, you know, like a link and he said, I'll go online and do this. And it was like when I did it, it was like overwhelming. It was like 97% oh. or something like crazy. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, right. So I think that's so, – and then, yeah, and then we just went through the process. We did it. And then, interestingly, um, towards – I'm just thinking with June. So at the beginning of this year, I did also ask him because he's also like I now see him as my therapist. And Mm -hmm. I also did ask him to go through the autism criteria because I did wonder if I've uh, like if I'm autistic as well, because um, Mm. my, uh, my oldest son is. And mm-hmm. I know that it's genetic, but so I know I know that I have, you know, what they call like markers. So I have some strong mm-hmm. autistic tendencies but don't meet the full criteria to be diagnosed as being autistic.
0: Yeah, wow. Um, you know, I always hear a lot of like when I mean, you read these stories and I meet people, it's amazing having this podcast. I'm, I'm sure like you as well, you meet different people in varying yeah. like in their different stages of life and it's you, I think I'm always constantly amazed about, how they get there and and you know and, and all that, but um, I mean that would have been a, a big impact on on your life as well. How did how did you feel when you were diagnosed at fifty? I actually
1: felt a sense of relief because it, mm. it answered a lot of questions for me. So it an answered all the things that I'd that I've struggled with throughout my life. Like you know, I've always had always felt like it didn't quite fit in. Like that there was something you know, didn't know where it was, no. but sort of, and knew, know that as, um, you like growing up, um, I think being a female and having a, yeah. and now, now looking back and like the things that were like, that I struggled with, or maybe that people, I guess, didn't like about me, like that. I tend to be very, I do tend to be very black and white. I do tend to um, like in work which is one of the big reasons why I work for myself I tend to like and I'm going to swear because I, I tend to call no, the bullshit right. right like I don't like it like I don't like it and so I, like mm. I would stand up for other, and also in workplaces I'd stand up for other people too and see mm. so but then I it's like if people being bullied and things like that by managers and stuff I would always like this so that, that but they're also the things that I struggled with too because I found it um, and I think it is like a lot of neurodivergent people have a really strong sense of justice. Social, and I think I've got, I like, yes. now realized I've got a really strong sense of social justice. So if I see it, I'll call mm-hmm. it out. Right. So, but they're the things that I struggle with. But also at school, too, I never, I never sort of quite felt like I fitted in. And I like, I put it down to the fact that, um, like, I'm, I'm half Indian and mm-hmm. uh, we migrated. Like we came to Australia. We migrated to Australia when I was twelve, and came mm-hmm. to Canberra when I was thirteen. So I came to Canberra when I was in year eight, and I went to an all-girls school. Mm-hmm. And I put it down to the fact that you know I was like I'm coloured, and I was. I am coloured, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, of Asian. Because the school that I went to be an all-girls school was uh, like obvious it was a Catholic school, and so the mm. and at that time, this is in the eighties, the majority of the student population of the school was white, Anglo-Saxon, right? So I thought, mm. what I thought is the reason why I was struggling so much was because of being, a, and, I, and I had an American accent because mm. my father had been posted and we had lived in the United States and we'd lived in the Philippines. So I, mm. I thought it was those. But now looking back, I, I realized yes, it probably was partly those things, but it probably was also the fact that I'm neurodivergent and that socially I found the social landscape quite difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's quite hard.
0: No, I, you know what, the The fact that you say that, it's very interesting you say that because I can relate to that on, on the mm. exact same level. Um, first, <laughs> it's funny that you say, like, the, the American accent. Yeah, I, I mean, I grew up here and my parents, I mean, they're Filipino, I'm Filipino, I was yeah. born here, but because of, you know, my mum was a teacher in the Philippines and the way that she taught me was obviously the American of course. you know textbook and then here yeah. it's like British American you know it's a whole mixture and I had I've gotten like that weird slur where it's like I'll I'll have pronunciations of American and, and you know so I was always told that like oh you speak strange and I'm like I that's just my environment like I don't know and then second yeah I can agree with you that I felt out like I just felt other like and I was the same I was at an old girls school and I mean it was a mix of both Anglo-Saxon and and asians like i mean i was also the minority um growing up but it's i still even though i had like asian friends and and like my culture there it just still felt like there's something else <laughs> like, like like i'm being constantly told there's there's weird there's strange but what else is it like i mean you know as well as i'm sure with you like growing up with these females it's like you try to go well what's different like, mm-hmm. like we're pretty mm. much similar aren't we and then and then you start digging right and it's not um yeah. so no it, so when you say that I'm like I I felt that I felt very pathetic there um yeah yeah. yeah yeah and um and what you said about sense of justice oh it's mm. I think that's the most beautiful thing about having it because mm. you know you you react on it like you, you use that to do things right and it, it's amazing right. yeah much like how you run your business and then do all the things that you're doing. It, it's what, you know, what, it's what motivates that is, mm. is your sense of justice, you know, mm. your passion. Um, and I couldn't agree more. So um, I almost happy cried. Cause I'm like, you know, it's nice to talk to people to, to hear what they, um, what they have experienced growing up in terms of ADHD. And then, I mean, I, I don't be like, you know, um, setting us apart, but, Mostly, uh, all my interviewers so far have been um, Anglo-Saxon, and like not to not to no. discredit them, but Absolutely. I, I you know I could I could relate to them on some level, um, but then now hearing you and, and and your background. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm hearing it from this perspective finally, mm-hmm. and it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it makes me want to cry, but it's like a good cry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah sorry, excuse yeah. me. This is the first time.
1: I realised too with my diagnosis how I'd been masking my whole life, um, yeah. You know, right from when I was at school, and also throughout my working life as well. Um, yeah, yeah, just trying to, you know, that feeling. Of, uh, well, well, that's what we do when we're masking. We're trying to fit in. We're trying to be neurotypical.
0: That's right, because we're in a well, and that's the thing that I've learned is that yeah, we're in a society society that doesn't that doesn't, I mean, encourage us or at least help us you know, quote unquote fit in Um, and um, it's not designed that way, which is, you know, unfortunate, Um, Mm. but that's what I guess we're trying to do. Um, Mm. But no, the whole masking thing, you know what, it's taken me a long time. You know, yes, I've only been diagnosed last year, but it's like there's a lot to learn and this whole masking thing, I think when I talked to this about another person, they like, you know, were saying that and I was like, oh, I didn't even notice because now that I'm, when I go to work now, it's so prominent and I'm just like uh-huh. oh my gosh no wonder I'm so drained constantly because mm. you know like yes I might take medication or I might not some days and they know and that's because I'm so transparent with them that's the lucky part of that's the fortunate part of of why I'm so like that I'm able to be that way with them because I am transparent with them because I'm like I don't want to hide it what's what's the reason hiding it that makes it even worse that means I'm shaming it and it's not a part of me like mm. it is a part of me I'm gonna be upfront about it like you know so it's i don't know i've just when i've had that realization like oh yeah i am masking um and then uh. i've always had that kind of like the just always constantly reflecting or like oh like why am i like this with my family and then when i'm with this with friends or you know and then and then the answer is it's masking you know and yeah i think it's a big thing to to learn and and figure out in, in terms of adhd or any neurodiverse um condition because um sometimes you have to learn how to switch it on and off like, and yeah you know, exactly it's,
1: yeah it's, it's tough yeah
0: um and how do you have you been able to i guess switch that off a lot more since since your diagnosis as well
1: yeah yeah i have i i'm but i think the big thing i think the good thing about the diagnosis though is more than switching it off being aware when you're doing it like Mm. knowing because there are certain environments that you know Mm. you go into and you're aware but then but then also to um feeling more comfortable to be my authentic self and not to uh, you know feel that I have to mask and because you know with because I have my own business and that I have to network a lot so I have to attend networking events and things mm. and um but at those events like now i you know i um realized that i did use to mask whereas now i don't i just and also too i a lot better like if it gets too much for me like now if it gets too i won't push through like if i'm yeah. just overwhelmed or sensory wise or whatever i'm just tired mm. i i've become a lot better at managing my energy levels so so that i don't have to mask if that makes sense of not putting that stress on myself making myself turn up to something like i'll I'll just call it now and go no i can't do it
0: yeah 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 i i think that's a big skill to have especially Mm. when you realize you're neurodivergent because a lot of people kind of i mean you you know you learn just push through it it you know it's just you're tired like whatever and I th- mm. I'm still learning that because sometimes where I'm like, you know, I've I've personally chosen Saturdays to interview um people. And, you know, some days I'll be like, I'm just so tired, I can't do it. And, you know, I, I learned recently that you should have days where you just can't, days where you should be able to say no. Yeah. And days that's you right. should be kinder to yourself, you know, and, and that's okay. Yeah. Cause, you know, again, yeah. your brain is wired different. So it just makes sense to do those things, implement those strategies, so you don't feel overworked, overwhelmed, and that's that's totally right. Um, but it's identifying those things is it's tough if you don't really learn about what you have. I find and like especially if you know we're quite uh, misinformed about our own conditions and uneducated mm. as well. That's the tough part. Mm yeah yeah <laughs> I mean that could go on many um many tangents there too but it when you're when you were diagnosed did you did you think was it wasn't a very quick diagnosis for you and do you think you needed more support or do you think there was a like a lack of support
1: um I was I'm like I'm. I'm lucky in that my husband's really supportive. So when I was, um, so when I was going through the process, he was really supportive. And also too, even with having, um, you know, to answer questionnaires and things like that, um, mm-hmm. I got my husband to like answer some of the. You know how you have to go through, like you have to answer questionnaires, and then get like your parents to answer questionnaires and things like that. I actually. Uh, asked my husband to um like uh, to help me um with that with that like with answer, yeah. you know some of the questions that, that had to be answered and mm-hmm. so um yeah so I had support in that way um mm-hmm. and also sure I you know would say because of my awareness as well probably um probably didn't lack as much support as some people do when they go through the diagnostic process. Like, for example, I'll share, like I've got a friend who is in her late 30s and mm-hmm. watching her go, it's it's actually very, very difficult for females to get diagnosed. So to, I mean, I'm addressing this yeah. in terms, like what you're asking, in terms of support. And she yeah. has had, like, for her, like one like uh, you know like you know how i said to you like they when you go and i don't know if this happened to you but Mm -hmm. like they asked for like they asked for like old school reports and they asked for uh like your parents to answer now Mm. this friend she's in her like as i said late 30s her mother didn't keep Mm. any of the reports and also her parents are in denial about her having adhd so they don't even want to go there so it's like Mm. what are you doing why are you going through this process so then there's a brick wall for her straight away because mm. the therapist, the person who she went to, they wanted mm. it from, from her parents. Now, she couldn't get that right. I was lucky that my mother was willing yeah. to do it right and was okay mm. with it, but but she, this this lady wasn't. So the, that was like first obstacle, and she's at the time was, um, you know, uh, because she's already got. And this is often another thing that happens with females is they'll often be like um, quite often, I'm misdiagnosed with other conditions. So she uh, yes. was already managing depression and anxiety, but now we, you know, she mm. would know that her depression and anxiety is a result of having ADHD. But she's already managing; so she's mm. already on medication for that, right? But but mm-hmm. watching her go through that process, that, that 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 like that block that she had to, and it's so and she's like. You know, like she's, you know, ring me and going, Oh my God, Patricia, like she's just like this, is like this, just like roadblock after roadblock. She goes, It's so hard yeah. for women in to get a diagnosis. And then, yeah, and she just found, and you know, she didn't have like exactly that, no support from her like family because her parents didn't kind of want to know. And yeah. Um, yeah, and just, and she's only just recently gotten a diagnosis, but she, what she had to do is she had to change like therapists, like, find somebody else to, to do the diagnosis and the thing is is the other mm. thing is too you know like not just support right it's expensive right like that's the other oh, thing that really yeah. i find is a massive issue about if this is that it is financially prohibitive for a lot of people to get a diagnosis so like for me if i you know use like some of the families i work with if they've got two or three kids and they have to pay Three thousand dollars for every child to get a diagnosis. Most people will be struggling to find that three thousand dollars for if you know for every child. And then let's say, like me as parents, they then start to think, "Oh God, you know, like they, their kids start getting a diagnosis, which often is the case." Then the parents go, uh, "Ah, yeah. like I did, they're ticking the boxes. Maybe I should seek a diagnosis as well." Which is what ha- that girlfriend that I shared with—that's what happened with her. Her son yeah. got an autism diagnosis, so then she started thinking, mm, "You know." Yeah, and then, yeah. so then, you know, like she's started thinking, oh, maybe, because um, she's looking at her son, and she's thinking, uh, you right. know, because some of the questions she's been thinking, oh, maybe I'm neurodivergent as well. Yeah. But the other thing too is it's financially, it's, and that to me is wrong. Like to me, the Australian yeah. government has to be doing something about that. They've got to bring the 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 cost of getting these diagnosis diagnoses down because it's so it's, like to get an ADHD diagnosis, I think is around. Eighteen
0: hundred to two thousand dollars, and to get an autism diagnosis is mm. three thousand. You know, oh it's gosh. just ridiculous. Well, That's it. I that that just gives me chills because it's just it's frustrating. It's yeah, because because you hear of this so much. You hear different perspectives, mm. but it's the same story. Like it's you have already like you, like your like your girlfriend. There's so many barriers already, and then there's more. And, Mm. and sometimes you don't even know how to get it. And I covered this in the last one where, um, you know, you, yeah, sometimes when someone doesn't have the answers and Mm. like how, how, you know, they're already struggling with life and all they need to do Mm. is to pick up the phone, get a, get a referral, but no one knows no mm. like no one's going to tell her that like imagine like yeah. I didn't know until my like I'm very fortunate that my support network was like hey can you consider this and I was just like open to it. I'm like yeah because I'm struggling much like your girlfriend I was di- misdiagnosed well, not misdiagnosed but it was under the umbrella of just you know depression anxiety sorry high, yeah. fu- high functioning anxiety and PTSD yeah and then and then eventually hey you've got ADHD it's like what (laughs) you know and so luckily I was steered in the right direction but that's not always the case for some people and yeah like you 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 know you have the support of your husband I me too I'm very lucky that my husband is able to support me in that too but not everyone's that fortunate like it's expensive you're so right it is so it's already so difficult to live with this and then having to live with the tax to do that to even look after yourself is already too much work because mm. it shouldn't have to be this hard and the fact mm. that we have to advocate for that is horrible because it's like mm. this is a basic need this is your mm. right to your own health and mm. you can't even provide that like what is that and i know and, oh, it's hard and you know
1: you and i are both like we are both you know the other thing too is if you're educated Mm. Well, that is also true it works more to your advantage so like that this girlfriend mm. that i'm she, she's she's a lot she's a lawyer you know mm. you and i you know and, and that's another thing so then your socioeconomic status also affects your accessibility to mm. be able to get diagnosed i mean you know it's and i just yeah it's it's crazy and you know i have clients uh, female clients one in particular that i'm thinking of like she was misdiagnosed with bipolar and was mm. on bipolar patient but it yeah. actually was an adhd wow you know and so for years she thought she had bipolar
0: yeah it's all this I, like it's, it's being uneducated and also misinformed a lot i, mm. I think because mm. our education system doesn't tailor that it doesn't oh. even tell you no. if anything it just goes oh you probably got depression or anxiety constantly you hear that constantly yeah. and like sure it that can be the case but Sometimes it's, that's underlying and then there's a bigger uh-huh. picture, you know. And and I hear this a lot when, you know, you go to a psychiatrist and that psychiatrist might not even specialize in ADHD, let alone diagnosing someone with a, a female or, you know, a presenting female with ADHD. Like that's already so difficult because, again, like uh-huh. you said, they're already misdiagnosed, they're underdiagnosed. So a lot of psychiatrists don't even recognize that some nah. females have it because they're like, nah, that's not even possible, and it's like, yeah. well, it is, <laughs> and like, let me tell you, you know, and that's true. You have to be educated, and like, I don't even know ninety percent of of what it is. Like, I still am trying to learn a lot about it. Like, there's so much to learn about it, but my my way of learning about it is talking to others because that's because it's their raw experiences. Then I then I can understand. Okay, then that's valid. Then I can understand. That that's how you experience it, then that, that must be how I experience it, and it's real because if I hear it from someone who doesn't have it, then I'm like, I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> um, exactly. I don't know, but that, like that makes sense to me in, in some ways to to do that. But like, yeah, if if you want to get this diagnosis, it should be that hard. And no. yeah, I don't know. I it grinds my gears. I I, I don't like it. <laughs> Um, but no uh, when you mentioned as well like the I touched on it a little bit but like the whole stigma um, with your girlfriend's parents like not wanting them like them mm. not wanting to participate even in or having to even be open to the idea of that that's a mm. struggle and mm. because that's a personal struggle like you can't even disregard that because you want to be so much expe- accepted you want to be okay with what's happening in here and 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 be okay oh. with the rest of your life right and um i mean i'm sure that's like that with um anyone else that struggles as well because you know i'm sure your generation or you know your older generation as well like my parents generation and their oh. my my grandparents they didn't really consider a mental illness if anything oh. it was a psychiatric ward right and yeah. Yeah. and medication was just a no go and like i never was taught that but it was more like i had to push my parents to the idea like hey psychology like going like cbt is okay like that's not an issue like if anything it won't create any more issues it's 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 helping me and then and you know it took them another step further to go what's adhd and then you know then it opened that like acceptance for them and that's i'm very fortunate for them and grateful to grateful to them to be able to accept that but that's not always the case for every every everyone parents you know and so um I'm glad also that you were able to help your children in that regard um and can you walk me through how how that came about and and do you think like when they got diagnosed and you got diagnosed um Mm. did that become a little bit more stressful for you or did you think because you got a diagnosis as well it helped them as well like you were able to pinpoint things and find better strategies
1: yeah well i got a diagnosis so my the first so my son so my boys are now 20 and 18 so mm-hmm. when i got my diagnosis they would have been um about 17 and 15 but mm-hmm. my so my older son was the and it's interesting because you know i was thinking like you know how we're talking about the diagnostic process and how difficult it is and mm. um also the cost of it and everything so like if I use my oldest son as an example, so my oldest son is autistic and has ADHD, right? Mm -hmm. And when he, now he got diagnosed, so he was born in 2002 and he got diagnosed Mm -hmm. when he was eight. So he would have been, Mm -hmm. so that would have been what, 2010 he would have been diagnosed. Mm -hmm. However, like it took us, this is going to sound really weird, it took us two goes to get him to, to get an autism diagnosis because when he initial because and this is this is the thing too. So you know how we're talking about females and masking and how uh, yeah. it's it, it's still not enough known about females to get get diagnosed. Well, when I was going through the diagnosis the process with him, I knew something was up. I knew something wasn't quite right, right for yeah. for him, okay. But so the first time we went to take him to get a diagnosis was when he was five, right, right. And so, so, you talk, so talking about, this is also thinking about the cost factor as well. So, when he was five years old, took him to a psychologist, went through the whole diagnostic process that you have to go through for a child for autism, cost $3,000, and came Oof. back saying that he doesn't have autism, but he yeah. there's a condition that doesn't even get diagnosed anymore, but it used to be, it was PDDNOS, which is Persuasive Developmental Disorder Not Otherwise Specified. So, it's like, Basically, a diagnosis of they think that there's something, but they don't quite know what it is. So, that's right. what we got when he was five years old, right? So, yeah. that's that was the diagnosis we got. We're kind of like, okay, right. And then what happened is because he had low muscle tone, um, as a mm. baby and met milestones late in that, so he was seen, um, so that as I said, that was when he was five, so he was, um, in kindergarten, and then we were seeing a Pediatric occupational therapist because he was having difficulty with writing and, Mm -hmm. as I said, like like milestones like uh, um, with low muscle tone things like that. So we're seeing the OT to help with that. Mm -hmm. And when when I was with it was the was with this OT and when and she said to me it was her that said to me no Patricia because I had told her what had happened what he'd been like when we started working with her. I'd yeah. been diagnosed with it about, I don't know, however many months after working with him. She turned around to me and she said, No, Patricia, you're right. He's autistic. He has autism. And so she then sent me to a psychologist who mm-hmm. she worked very closely with in the hospital system at that time. Mm. And that psychologist now is really well known in Canberra for diagnosing people with autism. But she sent me to yeah. this, to the particular psychologist who, yeah, um, yeah who then diagnosed him. Who then wow. diagnosed with him, right? So this is like three years later. So you think if we'd known it five, and this is the other thing too: if we'd known it five, we would have been able to get him so much more help. So because the yeah. lady you get diagnosed, with him, right? but also two, there's that side of it, but also there's the the cost side of it because it means we forked out the money twice, right? And mm. I wasn't, and I was not working. And one of the reasons why I was not working is when he was little. um, um, when he was little, it like so. As I said, we didn't know he had autism, but he had low muscle tone, um, mm-hmm. and uh, lo- uh, low, muscle tone, and he was struggling. So I didn't work because I was taking him to a lot of therapy appointments and stuff. So it was like just becomes too hard to try and balance working and going taking your child to all these therapy appointments all that's the time.
0: Cool.
1: So, um, yeah, so you know, financially, that's was that was a huge burden on our family because my husband no. was the only I mean, worker at the time. And, um, yeah, and, yeah, so, yeah, so, but you were asking me about so he yeah, so he was diagnosed when he was eight. Mm. And then, um, yeah, so, yeah, and so, yes, and he got an autism diagnosis. And then uh, when he started high school, um, I said to his psychologist, who was actually the person that diagnosed him, uh, with autism, I suspected he had ADHD as well. So at twelve, he we got, and he had. We went through, and he got an ADHD diagnosis as well. Interesting mm-hmm. fact that you might not know: eighty mm-hmm. percent of people that have autism have ADHD. Yeah, but right. does not work so much way for ADHD to autism, right? So, but mm. but eighty percent of people with autism diagnosis will have ADHD as well. So anyway, yeah, so right. he got diagnosed with ADHD at 12 and Mm -hmm. then my younger son uh so you talk about masking so my Mm -hmm. younger son is uh, like I didn't even I so we uh, so so my younger son really really struggled with anxiety like from a really young age and I was going like did like programs with him with him for anxiety and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and then I think it might have been when he was in year eight because he got diagnosed at fourteen. He came to me and he said, "Mum, I think something's." He said to me, "Mum, I think something's up. I think I might have autism or ADHD." Can we, oh, wow. can we go through like, the diagnostic process? And I, yeah, yeah, and um, and I already had my business by that time, and so this goes to show too, like even working in the area and everything, you can miss it, right? You can miss. It. I just didn't, pick, and but I also realized too, he's he masks. He's a really mm-hmm. good at masking. So yeah. that's what he was doing. So masking is far more common in females than males, but there are males that mask, and he he masks. And, and mm-hmm. he came to me and he said, I think something's up. So that was when then he was going through the process, like, and that's when I shared with you that I then realised that when we were sitting there going through this whole, the, like, answering all the questionnaires and everything, particularly for the ADHD stuff, right. I was thinking, oh, yeah, that's that's – like i meet on this criteria as well
0: yeah. and
1: um but yeah so he got diagnosed later he got diagnosed at, at 14 but having said that like as i said he had the anxiety. and he was also like we he's dyslexic because you know how mm-hmm. there's or, like co-occurring conditions so we knew from it like from um year i think year one or year two in primary school we knew from then that he had dyslexia um yeah. yeah, but yeah, so um yeah, so they already both had like had diagnosis before um I got diagnosed.
0: Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> that's a, it's really <laughs> great that they that um that they got there eventually, but the fact that it yeah, it took yeah. that long and yeah, the cost there, like that's a yeah, I know. It's just, uh it's it's yeah. <laughs> But I, I like what stood out to me was that your son actually asked you or told you, that mm. hey, there's something up here. Um, mm. I'm sure you would have somewhat felt proud of that too because that's something that he was able to identify himself. Um, and mm. let a mask, I, I like that you mentioned that too because, I yeah, I, honestly, I couldn't tell you if someone around me was masking because, you know, you don't know whether they mm. you know, you might not see the unmask, mask, right? And I think uh, I say the same for my husband where um i think he he definitely has something but he's so good at the masking and then mm-hmm. uh you know he's just in a role that he just it just fits him and um you know there's so much strategy so much routine and he's so diligent so he's fine like they, like he's got enough strategies in place where he doesn't need that answer because he's like well i'm okay it's like i get that like there are mm-hmm. some people out there that, that will do that they don't need a diagnosis um but mm, like I, I don't think are. I could yeah. yeah, and but but they're they're strong in that and that's not a problem. I think it's the people that are mm. struggling and, and they can't get that answer is is where the issue lies. And yeah, like with you know, money and, and time, some people don't have that, you know, and it's no. it's expensive and it's and it's a lot mm. of um takes a toll on you. And I'm sure it would have on your oh, family too. So um yeah. like I'm I'm glad that you were able to do that for, for both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but in saying that, you you know, you have you know, apart from your lovely family and, and your business, you I've noted that you are a keynote speaker, which is amazing. You do this globally, internationally. When you speak um at your conventions, I guess it you obviously speak about neurodiversity. Do you think that when you do speak about these like do you get different um, reactions or responses, or what's it like? I don't know. What's your experience? Yeah, well,
1: there? awareness is definitely growing. So mm-hmm. it's really because when I started my business in 2016,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, it's really, it's. so when I say awareness is growing, I probably knew then what businesses and workplaces and mm-hmm. um, probably more so in Western culture we're starting to realize now about. People being neurodivergent, so um, but it's but I do get like so for example in May I um, was a keynote speaker at the Australian Water Association, the, the Australian Water Association, which they are national um, like body if it's, as it is it's Australian Water and every year they have yeah. a national conference and it was a three day conference and. Um, the third day, uh, the theme of the conference was around communication and people, and they asked me to do mm. the keynote. And um, and in the in the keynote, I spoke about um, three factors, which um, which is psychological safety, so providing psychologically safe workplaces, intersectionality, and how that fits in to being mm. neurodivergent in the workplace, and unconscious bias. And you know how you are mm. saying, do I get? and things when after i gave my keynote the uh, one of the conference organizers who was the person i've been in contact with um who had organized for me to come and speak she came to me and said one of the ladies at the conference who um and you know this so these are like engineers and I, because they're working yeah. as the water field scientists and so one of the ladies that was at the conference actually came into her like the booth that she was in because she was mm-hmm. like uh, facilitating the conference came into her in tears and said oh my god like that presentation like the presentation that i gave she said like it was just like for her it was because it was just resonated with her so much her journey what she yeah. experienced in life and she this was a person that has a diagnosis but just like the like the impact of hearing somebody getting up and speaking about that we yeah. need to change and the big thing that that what i'm really through through speaking what i'm trying to do is not just create awareness but I'm trying to create change and that we have to have yes. workplaces that are psychologically safe where, yes. like we talk about masking, where people can turn up and be their authentic selves and don't and don't have to mask in the workplace, you know, and, and can and don't and that the accommodations that need to be made in the workplace for you or I to thrive are yeah. just accommodations that are made and it's not that we feel that we've got to go and ask for these things but it's, you know, it's actually recognised that that workplaces should be looking at these facts and, and and just having, as a matter of course, like I talk about people do in workplaces, they do work health and safety, you know, like they look at mm. your chair and your desk, this and that. Yeah. They should also be doing like sensory risk assessments. They should be looking at the sensory um, risks in the workplace, yes. you know, as far as uh, lighting is concerned or, you um, People, you know, like kitchen smells or noise levels and things. That should just Mm. be a matter of course that happens that people should be having to ask. It should just happen like a WHS assessment happens.
0: Absolutely. Um, I completely agree there. And that's funny you say that because I remember being, I think, at a museum or an art gallery where they had a sensory, like, friendly room. Room. And yeah. I remember, like, walking past this room and going, what? But in such a good way, like, in, in a great, like, in yeah. a positive shock because I'm, like, yeah. as if no one, like, as if no other place has it because they should. And, like, mm. I, I don't know, I just remember going, like, just walking past it and going, like, just kind of going, really? Do they actually have this? Because I'm, like, are they finally recognising it? Like, because, like, that was a shock to me to actually mm. see that. And it shouldn't have to be because you're right, it should be the norm it should be that yeah because you know when you start a new job they ask what some what are some summer accommodations do we need to provide you for physical things right and you know like you said chair mouse like I have severe carpal tunnel I need to use a vertical mouse and they're like yeah not a problem yeah. we'll give that to you and then it's like oh by the way I have ADHD and they're like oh do you have medication like <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah I can manage it but how are you gonna help (laughs) like you know and that's the thing I find that's like a big topic it's because people can help everyone can notice a physical impediment but when Mm. it's an invisible disability no go no one gives a crap (laughs) and um I believe I was in Coffs Harbour tangent I was on I was in Coffs Harbour and um recently and my husband and I saw the sign on like a a disabled uh, toilet door and it said um, like all disabilities welcome, Um, not all disabilities are invisible. And I wanted to cry while standing in front of this (laughs) toilet, (laughs) but I was like, thank God, like why isn't this already like happening? And it's like I'm sure that's the way that others would feel as well, like in terms of, you know, being um, trans, like like that's something we're still working on as well, you know, and I'm not trying to liken it to our experience, but I'm saying that, Uh, recognition is a big thing you know and we're not mm. even getting that so to see that in some instances is very rewarding Mm. and like I like to spread that message like yeah disabilities there are invisible disabilities like the Mm. other day I only learned that I'm allowed to apply for a parking permit because I have Mm. ADHD Mm. and not everyone knows that because you know we feel ashamed for having these accommodations and we shouldn't and I hate that like that is something I want to push against because it's like well this is why we have psychiatrists this is why we have some things in place sometimes but they're just under like uh, they're they're not it's not open like not everyone knows about this because uh, who knows (laughs) but that's why you want to bring it out in the open and share it because it should be allowed and um I don't know it's nice that it's nice that you um were able to to bring upon that reaction from that person in yeah. um, your keynote speech because I'd imagine that's what your work would bring a lot because mm. it's bringing about things that are real and that that it's very much people's experiences and like I hope to only not make people cry but <laughs> to to yeah. have that yeah. comfort and reassurance yeah. right and and it's funny you mentioned no engineers long, yeah. you know
1: it's normalizing and- <laughs> it's normalism that's not weird right that is not and this that's is right. like that's what i said to like i had a young uh client yesterday and mm-hmm. she's 11 years old and she said something to me about the normal girls at school and i stopped mm-hmm. her and i said to her i actually said i said to her there is no normal like this is mm-hmm. this is there is no normal we're all different right mm-hmm. and there is there's no normal but mm-hmm. yeah, and she's gonna. She goes, oh, okay. Well, then the other girls at school, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but, you know, but, she, but yeah, you know, but yeah, but I said it's normal. Like there isn't. It doesn't. You know, I said to you're not weird, or you're not. You you yeah. it just, the Just brain is just different. It just works differently.
0: That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's. <laughs> I, that's another topic as well. When people say normal a lot and I'm like, what, what is normal? Can you help me understand what, and identify, define what is normal? I don't think there is one. Right. And then that's why, like, I always try to like say neurotypical because I'm still like, I don't know, but, um, that's great that you were able to point that out because if you didn't, I'm sure she would have just continued going on about, Oh yeah, this is normal. This is not. And that doesn't really break the cycle, you know, and you kind of need to do that so that you yeah. leave room for awareness, leave room for some more education in that field. So yeah. good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, as I was saying, um, yeah, with the when you mentioned engineers at your keynote speech, um, my husband's an engineer, and when I pointed this out to um, another podcaster, she was like, do you know if your husband has something? And I was like, I'm pretty sure he does. And it's because, like, people in certain fields, like, match like like you know if they have autism or adhd like they will gravitate to things that will work for them that's that's an accommodation like that helps them right and you know like i hear you know a lot of adhds are the recruiters or like they've created like they are you know and that that just hones in on their strengths right um so no i I love that that they could relate to that on some level because of that so that's really great um wow there's so much to ask you i (laughs) i I feel like I could keep asking, but with your like your you know your diagnosis, what has been the highlight? Like, what do you enjoy about having um, your ADHD?
1: Uh, well, I know the strengths that give well uh, the strengths it gives me, and this is why I believe, like you were saying, you know about certain careers and things like that that's yeah. this that's why i believe i'm an entrepreneur like that i have yeah. that i had the courage to start my own business and start start yeah. social living solutions um six years ago is that it? that it gives me the, the well it's part of it is probably the risk-taking but not just that yeah. but it's the so people with ADHD are often very creative, and so I realized that for me, that probably my creativity was having my own business and and creating my my own like almost defining what I wanted to how I wanted my business to be and how I wanted it to operate and and so that that's like one of the the like the strengths that it gives and one of the the creative is that, that and probably that is the highlight of it, but also too like another highlight is like with this keynote speaking and that i and i know this because i've always been i've got no fear about getting up in front of people and talking right yeah. now that's a that's an adhd yeah. strength. like 100 percent. that is a strength because how many people say you? Yeah, there's no way i could ever get up and so that, that that's like some so <laughs> kind of like it's almost like it gives me the gift to get this mm-hmm. message out there you know yeah um yeah and um yeah like that's the I mean you know that that's the that's one of the strengths or one of the highlights that that gives me and I wouldn't be like where I am now if I didn't have ADHD
0: that's right no that is a strength like you have many strengths and that's right the the whole um being an entrepreneur like I have met I think yourself and someone else who was also started their business and it's like yeah, it's not uncommon, but that's, like, a great thing to hear because that's that's a great strength to, to lean on if you're able to continue that and, and bring those uh-huh. skills forward. That's a great thing to do instead of going, yeah. oh, I have so much weakness. I, You know, you'd rather focus on what you yeah. can deliver, right? Yeah. So that's really yeah. amazing. Um, But, no, so, like, I, I agree all... with you there. Yeah. Sorry. You go. No, no I was
1: going <laughs> to okay. say, like for my, my older son, like, his, like, um his uh, strength or like um, but not just his but he's, so he's is music right so my oldest son mm-hmm. um, is doing a diploma in music production at um, CIT here in canberra nice. but he also he writes and produces his own rap he creates rap oh, music wow. and he writes and produces, but that's his strength like that's his that's his that's the creativity right and that is yeah. that is what he's that is what he's good at and that's what he's doing and it's like so good to see and he, he is so much happier mm. since he finished school because he's doing what he loves like he's doing what gives him that you know that drives him and gives him passion stimulation you know, yeah. yeah 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 so that's you know that's um uh, like another strength because he really struggled at school um because and I won't go into it on this podcast because we'd be here for hours if I did but yeah. the education is really failing neurodivergent you divergent kid so he struggled oh. at school but he's yeah. thrived since he left school
0: yeah no I I can agree with that that would be a big thing to talk about but in a snapshot I felt the same like yeah. I mean I'm sure you would have as well like coming out of school or at least I mean I know I struggled in uni when I first broke out of routine but it's it, because you're put into a box like this is just what you're meant to mm. like this is just what you're meant to follow and then it, you know it's so rigid and then you come out and you're like oh there's so much more I can explore you know and then and then you're not limited mm. so I guess that's a good thing for him yeah where he's thriving now in a spot that yeah. does encourage him yeah. yeah so that's a yeah. great it's a really great thing and I agree with that as well like yeah the world around us doesn't suit us <laughs> that's all we don't fit yeah. in it I <laughs> mean um, no. that's okay like you know you just make it work for you um but no I was gonna say back to your um the the fact that you say like oh you know when people say oh I, I could never talk in front of that many people or whatever I I felt the same when I was in uni I used to my like I couldn't study I could not I did not have the focus I did not have that but I was a legend at running like speed friendship events which was like catered to like 500 or so students if not more and I was, like, thriving. Like, I enjoyed that. Like, everyone's was like, oh, I could never like, talk if it. I'm... I'm like, what do you mean? Let's go. Like, And it just it brought the best stuff out of me. And, like, I could never find another thing that I could do that again because I'm like, well, no, like, it didn't – like, nothing else kind of brings that out of me, whereas that did. And to realize that now was, like, it's a big thing because that made me understand, like, oh, well, you know, I enjoyed that. It stimulated me. I, I enjoyed – Using my strengths, you know, so it's, it's it's a good thing, and I like that you're able to do that. Um, do you have more coming up for Your speeches?
1: Um, I am on a panel and conference here in Canberra on Friday. Yeah. this coming oh, right. Friday. Yeah, yeah. We've got there's a women's leadership conference here.
0: Exciting, and
1: um, it's um, yeah, so I'm on a panel. Um, I'm on a panel this Friday, This Friday, um, but mm-hmm. I don't have any more. Um, well, the first half of the year was pretty jam-packed with speaking in bed, so I wouldn't mind. I'm not a rest. <laughs> not having, yeah, having a rest. Um, <laughs> I also love, um, but you know how you uh, mentioned, um, you know, you were talking about journeying with, like, trans people. Um, mm. I'm also um, a, so they, um, sorry there's a game yeah. called the gay games which is um, which is basically it's like the olympics but for people of lgbt people who are lgbtqi plus plus right and Maybe. so the the gay games is hosted every i think it's similar to the olympics that's like hosted every 4 years and this year it's been held in hong kong yeah, and i nice. um, and they have approached me um to like i'm as a neurodivergent consultant for them mm-hmm. for the games because there's a very strong correlation with being neurodivergent and being lgbtqi plus so there's, plus there's really mm. um strong correlation and so and they're aware of that and so they're yeah. aware that one a lot of their competitors might be neurodivergent but also their spectators might be too so they yeah. they've um uh, yes yeah, so I've been helping them with that so that's something that um yeah that I'm doing at the moment and that's voluntary so that's um like and I'm happy to do it in in, in a voluntary capacity but um, that's that's pretty cool like I'm actually really excited to be associated with that and to be helping them yeah. because um yeah it's really uh, really um awesome but yeah, so I'm doing that uh, you know as well and yeah, I um, yeah, I don't. I mean, I may get, i probably, I may get asked to speak at other things um, later on in the year, but I don't have anything after this Friday. So, um, <laughs> but I'm also trying to, I am also trying to write a book, so I should be wow. To seen all that, but I haven't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, well, that's I don't know, that's incredible. I think I'm going to look to you as a mentor. It's, it's, it's. I think, I mean, like, I, I think my. is like this is my I guess introduction into this you know neurodiverse community it's because like oh well I mean there's there's only so much I've seen so far and I'm like happy to learn more like it's a huge community it's the fact that just finally just stepping into it so it's so lovely to hear that you're doing this in so many different capacities and like you're right like I can definitely see how like the neurodivergent community and then LGBTQI plus plus community I, you know that's right just to be seen is, is a big um is a big thing like we talked about it just then like about recognition so um right. yeah I, that's so great that they reached out to you that's a powerful thing um yeah. with the in on that same note because you're you know you're managing a business you're you're managing a podcast you're managing these panels these speeches these keynotes doing the you know being um well, being an icon <laughs> um how do you manage this what is your resources and tools that you um that you use and implement in your everyday to help you manage
1: so as i mentioned earlier i do see so i do have I do see a therapist mm-hmm. um i for me um exercise is really important so i find <laughs> exercise really helps me so i go to the gym six days a week which is mm-hmm. also why i'm seeing In front of you here in gym gear, because I went to the gym this morning. So I go, I go, uh, and I do go first thing in the morning. So I find, so what I do is I structure my work day. So I start at 10 o'clock in the morning and I finish at about six or seven. And that's Mm. so that I can go to the gym because I recognize that for my ADHD, that really sets me up well for the day. And it's because I know that I need that dopamine hit in the morning.
0: That's
1: right. Um, I do take medication, um, like, Mm um probably um like you were saying you do as well um but I, but also I have like so like I was saying exercise journaling so journal meditate mm-hmm. um and the other thing too is I'm aware of certain vitamins and that that people with ADHD should take. So I take vitamin D, I take magnesium yeah. and I take zinc because I know that they're supposed to help as well so they're the they're the sort of things that um uh yeah that i do that um but yeah i mean like you know i'm not i'm not necessarily an advocate for medication but i know that it has made a massive difference for me um Mm. uh yeah it's it definitely has helped um Mm, i
0: um, i've heard yeah sorry yeah i've heard um similar accounts of of that like yeah like you know um the like the vitamins like being vitamin deficient mm. like i know that apparently it's like a big help i'm just i still i don't you know yet to recognize that so i'm going to start doing that but has for you like it's been positive with taking the vitamins
1: the vitamins yeah 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 The um yeah particularly the vitamin well all of them i think the vitamin d the magnesium and the zinc. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, is and that's just because of it. And also, too, I've got to be the other thing that I should mention. So I have a lot of issues with sleep, which is very typical mm. people with ADHD. Yeah. So I try to, um, um, like really try to have a, like a almost like a regime or routine at night to help mm. me sleep but does not perfect i don't i still because I, I tend to ruminate a lot which yeah. is where they and that's that's where my hyperactivity so you know how with adhd you've got like that hyper, i know that my hi- hyperactivity is actually in my brain so i actually find yeah. it really hard to start, like switch off switch off
0: yeah 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 tough. yeah and you do like and you, mm. as much as you want to have a implemented like routine sometimes it's hard to stick to it but, yeah, like, yeah, that's right. Sleep is so important. Like, like I mean, yeah. I have friends that, and family that laugh at me, like, oh, you, you know, you would sleep so early all the time and you wake up so early. I'm like, yeah, I need that sleep. Otherwise, I will not function. Mm. <laughs> um, that's and right. that's just yeah. – that just goes for anyone, like, in general. Like, you know, rest yeah. is always very important, you know. And, um, yeah, so I can – it's definitely a good thing to keep doing. Um, but before we finish, I – would like to ask was there a message you wanted to leave anyone listening
1: um yeah I think you know like what I was well what I was saying before that um there is no normal but the other thing too that um I wrote down while we were speaking just for some of the things that we've covered today this is something that and this is um that with um like you know how I was saying in that keynote that I spoke about and this is what to get the the audience thinking because you know how like we call like we call adhd and autism disabilities right Mm -hmm. to think about is it the person that is disabled or is it the environment that is disabling for them so the environment that we're providing is what is often disabling for people it's and and that's something that I think is a real key message to to think about is that is is it the environment that's disabling rather than the person that's disabled.
0: That's a powerful message. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's, no, it, yeah. That's a thinker. And going, going, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but that makes you think. It's a thinker. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's,
1: yeah, just for people, just think about, you know, yeah, if I would say to the audience, just think about that, you know. And also for the audience too to think about things like and, and go and research it, like think about unconscious bias, mm. think about psychological yes. safety and think about like inter- intersectionality. So intersectionality of like the different components that make up a mm. person. So mm-hmm. like if I, um, and there can be race, religion, Disability, gender, age. So, yeah. like for me, if I use myself as an example, so I'm str- straight away, I'm, I'm female. So that's one thing that works against you. Mean, I mean, let's be realistic. It's one thing that works yeah. against me. Then I'm female I'm in my fifties. I'm coloured, right? Mm. And so I'm female in my fifties. I'm coloured. I have a disability. I have ADHD. Um, I think there's something else. I remember but like yeah so that my age you know my you know racial background mm. uh the effect that i have a disability and you know like that so that's what intersectionality is and then with yeah. that with intersection that's yeah. where unconscious bias comes in because people make judgments you know that's right um
0: based on those yeah. that's right yeah. then again mm. i think that's a Something that people don't always have is that level of self awareness and the the re, the re, like the reflections on, on all that because I guess uh-huh. they don't really pay attention. Is is one of the big things, uh-huh. and I like I'd love to get into that another time with you for sure. But no, I, I appreciate that, and I love that you have left our audience thinking. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, if anything, um, I can't thank you enough for. For being a part of the podcast and sharing your story and sharing a lot about what you do and how you help our community. So I appreciate that.
1: No, thank you. It's my
0: pleasure. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review it on Spotify. To catch the latest, you can follow me on Instagram at NYNT Podcast. And if you would like to be a guest on the podcast, send an email to nyntpodcasts at gmail.com. Please remember that the content in this podcast is not intended to provide medical advice and should not be relied on as such. If you are experiencing any health concerns, you are encouraged to seek advice from a medical professional. Not Your neurotypical podcast aims to create an informative and supportive safe space for neurodivergent individuals and their allies to connect, learn and grow together. Each episode is recorded on Gadigal land, Sydney, Australia, hosted and produced by me, Raylan Sebastian, with music composed by Hubert de Monteverde. Thank you for joining me on this journey and stay tuned for the next episode.